0: I think I'm abandoning the, I'm going to watch this twice and I'm going to take detailed notes and come in super prepared. I think, I think I'm past that part. <laughs> I feel you. I, I have,
1: I go back and forth on uh, whether or not to prepare notes. I, uh, we'll see how, we'll see how it keeps going. Well, <laughs> yeah. if, if it was a rewatch for me, like it was, like it is for a lot for you, I think I would do that too.
0: That's, that is true. Uh, right, like when we picked this episode last week, it was like, uh, it's another Flame Princess episode. I'm not sure I remember what this is. But then I started watching. I was like, oh, I remember intimately what this episode is. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> well. Dude, let's just go right into it. We're already talking. Uh are you recording? Oh, yeah. Check, check. All right. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. four. Perfect. All right, adventure guys, here we go. Adventure Guys, the podcast for humans and dogs. I'm Eric the Human.
1: I'm Nick the Human. And welcome. It is a good Friday when we are recording this, I will tell ya. you. Know yeah, why? today's a
0: pretty good day, right? Today's
1: a good day. Donald Trump. Donald
0: Trump, <laughs> fan from Twitter.
1: <laughs> forever, right? <laughs> yes, forever, permanently. Permanently. It's not, They didn't even say indefinitely. I think they said permanently, right? That's what I... Yeah, permanently.
0: <laughs> permanently.
1: Uh, you can't behave,
0: you get your toys taken away.
1: God, yeah, it's... T- I mean, it's It's about goddamn time, right? Like, he. This, this is a long time coming. Like, this should have been done a long time ago.
0: Yeah, it's not quite as satisfying as him being removed with the 25th Amendment or as him being impeached for a second time. But it's up there. No, it it ranks. Is, this is good. <laughs> Honestly... Like his Twitter,
1: Twitter is his main uh, vehicle communication with the world and with his base. Like, and at this point, like where he is now that he's lost the presidency and he had to concede, like Twitter was like, got to be up among the most important things. Certainly more important to him than Eric or Don Jr. His Twitter account. (laughs) Prized. It's probably Ivanka and then Twitter, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, this will neuter him exceedingly well. Uh, once he is actually out of the White House, because he was always going to be a problem. He was yeah, never yeah. going to stop yeah, being a problem.
1: Even his goddamn second video apology that they put his Twitter back up for, he's still like, "This is my supporters. This is only the beginning." It's like, it's like he can't. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah, I, I um, they put out a little statement. I would, I'd love to know, like, cause they 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 took him down and they put him back up for that video, and and it's like he couldn't even like fully apologize because he's a child. Um, and I'm just wondering if they're like, yeah, we just can't trust him. He's basically saying like at the end of this, my supporters don't worry about it. Don't, I'm not apologizing. I'm with you. It's like, uh... Ugh, there's a lot yeah. to say in this. I'm sure all of you at home, if you're listening to this, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you've been just, uh, word vomiting this to your close ones <laughs> over the last couple of days or rage texting or whatever. Um, and I support you
0: <laughs> and I'm with you. Did you see what Mike Park posted from Asian man records? No. What do you, what do you post? It's just like this same old song, right? From the last four years where musicians keep having to tell listeners like, Hey, we don't support Trump. (laughs) If you do support Trump, you should not be listening to our music. Yeah. Like stop buying our music. I don't want your money. (laughs) Like, stop. Like if, if you're going to be a fucking moron, then fuck you, fuck off, fuck out of this fandom. You're not allowed to listen to our music. And Mike Park, who's usually a very nice yeah, yeah. and polite legendary, Legendarily nice. <laughs> yeah. He was just like, you know what? Legendary- We're done with this shit. If you support Trump, fuck off, never follow this account, or listen to any of my bands ever again. Uh, Mike Park broke. <laughs>
1: <It's>, <laughs> I know that's really saying something. It's, it's so puzzling, though. I mean, it, especially if you're following something like Asian Man Records... Or Mike Park, or like everything that that company and he has stood behind as a person would let you know, like p- politics are sort of baked into it, right? Like like into yeah. that into the worldview of so of not just him, but so many musicians that it's it's always puzzling when these people just come out and
0: you uh, have to be so willfully ignorant to be a fan of a punk or ska band and support right wing extremist politics like that. We uh we just I, finally announced our Banjo yeah. Skazoe cover album. <laughs> oh hell yeah. And of course I said you're only allowed to order this if you're anti-Trump. And of course there are still people that are like, Oh why are you bring politics into this? Like, dude I'm on the holophonics account? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, on our Instagram. I, I think he deleted it. Um because why <laughs> why would you willfully just like out yourself on a punk band's Instagram account as a Trump supporter? I mean, there are still people doing it, but he, yeah, he, I don't know how long it was up for. I didn't see it till like an hour or so after he posted it, it was already deleted. Now, dude,
1: you know what pisses me off is like what I feel like what the, a lot of the right wing has done is sort of co-opted the spirit of puck, of punk and the fuck, fuck the manness and like co-opted it into part of their messaging out as like to why you know what i mean like they're anti-authority they you you as are sheep you're listening to the machine and what these people are telling you to do like come over and join us and like they're the anti-establishment thing and it's 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 pretty hilarious honestly. yeah
0: well these old fucking boomer punks right in the 80s when everyone was vulgar and gross and mean that's how you got people's attention and that was what being punk was back then, I guess. And now everyone's <laughs> gross and vulgar and mean. The fucking president is yeah. an asshole. So you, being being kind, being nice—that's that's what punk is right now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> which is quite an inversion, really. If, when you yes. put in those terms,
0: punk. Is, well, okay, you don't punk- have to be polite, but you have to be kind.
1: Yeah, there you go. I like that. That's a good. <laughs> those are good parameters for us to live in. <laughs> But punk is sort of going to be a moving target to some degree, right? Because it's got to be a little bit contextual, based around what's going on in the world, right?
0: Like, yeah, um, it's 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 anti-authority, sure. But when but when the you author- know, when you're the authority, like, yeah, like you you don't get to label everyone else as what you're anti anymore and still be punk. It's like you you old white guys that thought you knew what punk was 40 years ago. You know, sorry, you're the machine now. <laughs>
1: Super funny. Yeah, but I remember, like, literally battling a guy in MySpace in 2006 about this. I think, but, yeah, but just, like, the aging punk thing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know, occasionally we post reminders on the Holophonics accounts, like, hey, fuck you if you support Trump, stuff like that. Like, occasionally. And there's always some trash that needs to be taken out. I remember one one guy was, like, trying to justify his like keeping politics out of it stance by saying that like he came up with green day in 88 or whatever. And I was like, like he was from Berkeley or something and like played shows with green day and you lived down the street from Billy Joe Armstrong. And I I was like, bro, are you talking about the band that wrote American idiot? (laughs) Like, are you saying that politics shouldn't be a part of this because you know, Really, Joe Armstrong, one of the most well-known political punk rockers of all time. Like, (laughs) what what argument are you trying to make right now? That is (laughs) odd. Well, if if you knew him back then, you'd know he was you know he had very different points of view. I was like, bro, you're really missing the point on this. Just fuck off. I don't want you to listen to my music. That's all there is to it. (laughs) You're really
1: reaching at that point to (laughs) like what? I really, honestly. I mean, uh, I guess like, I guess I'm trying to like mince my words sometimes because I'm like trying to be compassionate to people who might think differently. But, but I guess we've already, the ship sailed on
0: that one. Um, they have had plenty of time to figure it out.
1: Yeah. But no, but like how, like, I really don't get the keep politics out of it. Like if you're a person who's alive, how are you not political? And some, what, do you know what I mean? And if, you would only
0: say that if you're embarrassed about your politics, and you're obviously embarrassed about your politics if all of your favorite artists share opposite views.
1: Yeah. They, they, okay. You cut right to the core of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly... That's all that is. And you don't want to be questioned on your politics either. You don't want to be challenged about it. You want to keep politics out of it. It's that this is separate. Like I don't want to be challenged by it by people that I obviously admire, you know? Um, I don't it's, know.
0: It's, Okay, you know, right. I played in cover bands in Texas mm-hmm. and in these stupid fucking suburban cover band bars where these people are requesting Rage Against the Machine songs. <laughs> and I'm like, do, do you know what this song means? I'm like, yeah, I've been listening to it for 30 years. Or, right? Like, 91 was their first yeah. album? yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't think you really do know what the song is about. Nah, it's like, and the lyrics aren't even complicated. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Right, I know. killing in the name of has pretty, pretty basic, like lyrical structure. All Very their songs, lines they repeat it over and over again.
1: He is enunciating in the enraged <laughs> <in> rage songs. <laughs> it is clear as day. He is not trying to mask it behind any sort of effects, even besides like a little distortion or something. Like it is like out in the open. This is like. He's breaching, like you know what I mean. Like he's shouting at you clearly. Um, like I would be one of the most misunderstood bands of all time, right? I the, I the riffs, the riffs were so good and feel so good to headbang to that it's like people just zoned out on the words. Think about that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> think of so many, so many shitty southern butt rock bands that. Uh. Only listen to the riffs.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those are like the best riffs of all time, right? I th-
0: probably... Yeah, it's, it, they are great examples of like drop D riffs that are good, that don't suck, you know? Because then every other Nickelback bullshit band does drop D or drop D flat riffs that are just generic and garbage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like... Morello always had really good riffs, but they're all... they're it's really the same genre as drop tune, Butt rock like in terms of like riff writing, they just, he just happened to write only good ones.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's interesting because like everything that came after them, that they influenced in terms of rap rock or like funk metal or like whatever the hell, all everything that followed them just pretty much sucks. Um, if you know of a good one that I need to listen to, you can email us at, did you see the mail at gmail.com? Um, What are
0: your favorite butt rock bands?
1: I don't Yeah. I don't know.
0: Dude, okay, I don't know if you've noticed this. I mean, not that there's much of a music scene happening anywhere, but Texas in particular, man, there's a an independent music scene of shitty bar radio rock. Uh Like bands that that haven't watered down their sound for commercial purposes, but just started their bands to sound like that on purpose. Oh, (laughs) sure. Like small independent bands thinking like, this is the sound that we want to do because we really like this kind of music.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's not even like it. Like sometimes you see it. It's like you shit on a band like that for having lack of integrity because they're, they're just making this music because they want to get on the radio or something. But then you have to really think about it is like, well, if you grew up and this is all the music you've listened to is all the stuff that's on the radio, then you might just genuinely enjoy that shit.
0: You know? And that's, that's the point that we're at now. I think when, when, when that kind of sound started getting on the radio a lot, like 20 years ago, Uh it was pretty obviously a dumbing down of rock music, like, you know, rock music with air quotes. Um, but now it's been around for just so long that it's it's solidified as its own sound. You, you know which what, is really depressing. It to me. is
1: depressing. Do you know where I find I run into that music a lot is when I'm on YouTube and looking at recording tutorials. And whenever I'm like looking at a piece of gear or like, oh, I want to hear someone like use Sean and I were looking at, like, let's look at the Cascade Fatheads. This is a ribbon microphone. It is, like, textbook on guitar cabs and overheads. Like, everyone uses them. And, like, really cool people use them. But you go out and look for demos. The dudes who are taking the time to make these, like, demo videos, a lot of the times got their half-sleeve of tattoos and are making – it's just, like, generic metal rock music or blues. You know what I mean? Where you're just, like, oh, it's just down the middle – like, um, like computer generated rock,
0: you know, like the one two punch that really, really does it for me in hating this kind of music is that the lyrics really do always suck, even if they're not like garbage right wing kind of five finger death punch kind of uh-huh. lyrics, they're just bad, they're like bad love song lyrics, mm. like about being a man and I need a woman. <laughs> <laughs> and bullshit like that, like yeah. Hey, if if any listeners know good, uh, butt rock bands that have like actual lyrics, yeah. Well, the, the, you know the hard part. The know. hard part you're gonna Did go you yeah, that you
1: do run into is like right. You're saying like Rage Against Machine, like there, like there's good like hard rock, but then it's like you like cross over a line. I don't know where exactly that that line exists, um, or like. If there's like it's almost like Pearl Jam is sort of the line where it's like Pearl Jam goes up to the line and they're still like good and acceptable, but then on the other side of the line, that's where you know Nickelback and and Creed started like jacking. Yeah. Pearl it's Jam. It's hard to
0: think. It's hard to think of um, bands that aren't legacy acts. Yeah. Like that though. Like what's a, a modern band? Like a band started within the last ten years that's good hard rock
1: um that's not my area uh, well what about like um using <laughs> the code orange you know that band oh um they're kind of a more yeah. of like a hardcore um right i, I haven't metal. really
0: dug into their music but sure
1: that's a good band and that's on the i mean i guess that's more that's not like that's not like what we're talking about they get um or turn style. i love that band um i don't know um, there's probably some, there's probably some good ones sandwiched in there that I'm forgetting about. they are diamonds in the rough though. There, there are, some of those exist. There are good, you know, on the radio, they call it
0: active rock. Um, is that what they call it on the radio? Yeah. Active rock that, rock. That's the, that's the pro industry term. Active that's, rock. Yeah. Active rock. I can, I could
1: pull up, uh, if <laughs> I've you actually,
0: me, I've never heard that term.
1: Yeah. Active rock radio here. If you give me like one second, I can pull up the active rock radio charts and just tell you what's on it right now. <clears throat> yeah, active rock. And it's, you know, because there's, um, you know, most rock exists just on a couple formats of radio because um, it's not like the dominant. So there's alternative rock. That's K-Rock and whatever, you know, WRFF in Philly. Like, you're like alternative stations. Um, And alternative, like if you listen to it, like Imagine Dragons... Is on there, or you know, and they've had Group Love, Portugal the Man, like they've had a lot of like, um, yeah. Kings of I mean, Leon it's like
0: pop crossover,
1: uh, pop crossover, exactly. And then there's AAA radio and non commercial radio, and that's more of like your folky stuff. Alabama Shakes are gonna be on there, repping like Neil Young, Beck, like that's on there, although Beck does well pretty much everywhere. And then there's Hot AC, which is your soccer mom music, which might get some stuff. <laughs> And then there's active rock, um, and active rock is, like, your, like, rock radio where you have five-finger death punch just, like, destroying, you know? Just give me a second, because I, I do want to find this. I,
0: I grew out of that music pretty quickly. Like, I started playing bass and guitar at, like, 12 years old by oh, 14, here we go. I think I had moved past that genre. I don't I <laughs> oh, here we go. I'll tell you okay, yeah. No, I, I I agree.
1: But I mean like look uh so Foo Fighters number 1 on this chart. Okay,
0: Foo Fighters. Sure. Foo right? Fighters that's a good band. is is the 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 good hard rock band. Yeah. Okay. But again, they've been around for a long ass time. Okay, I mean, They're still making new music that's like pretty consistent. Here's another one. Speaking. I'll, I'll here, let
1: me tell you so it's them then it's ACDC with a new song, I guess. That uh, beats me. Um, I Prevail. Don't know them. Then Greta Van Fleet, which is opening okay. a, opening a whole can of worms on the Greta Van Fleet front.
0: Yeah, that's the conversation I don't want to have. No, 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 me neither. <laughs> then there's Aaron Jones
1: at number five with, I don't know who that is. Five Finger Death Punch, Old Trusty Rusty at number six with the. T- Barf. Living the Dream. Uh, number 7 is Royal Blood. Now you know Royal Blood? That's a pretty good hard rock band. I haven't dug in on them, but I don't know them. Yeah, I mean like they've they were kind of dubbed as like they came out and they they're a two-piece um and they play like hard rock. That's good. I had the drive-in tour with them in the UK if that's any sort of thing like and that didn't that sort of made sense. Although I guess back in the day at the drive-in toured with Rage Against the Machine, too. So, And then Three Days, Grease, yeah. Bad Wolves, Asking Alexandria,
0: Deftones. <laughs> Deftones. Okay, that's a band that I can probably admit is good, even though I never liked them. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> One of the dudes in Deftones is like a wild conspiracy theorist. I don't know if he's QAnon or... Um, he posted some wild... Yeah, that tracks, I guess. Some wild <laughs> shit. I'm trying to see what his conspiracy was, because um, I don't like to be bad mouthing people. And that's a good band. Oh, he hates science. that, that what a great uh, title. Deftones guitarist uh, favors conspiracy theories over. He's, he's being flat earther is just the beginning. This is Spin magazine. Um, but
0: they're not all like
1: that. No, right? no, the, no. What's the main guy's name? Chino. Chino. Chino seems sick. They they curate their own festival too, and I know in Southern California and they always have like one of the craziest most diverse sick lineups um that's a good thing
0: oh system of a down system of a down that's a good band and again the drummer is a fucking right-wing weirdo oh really (laughs) when yeah you didn't hear about that whole drama Uh, i missed it because they i guess yeah you go well because because surge is like obviously an outspoken left-wing activist and i think he's married to the drummer's sister uh, John Dolman, the drummer, he, he like, so he, so Serge is stuck with him is basically what I, I gathered from like PR statements. Um, he's like, he's family. I can't, I can't just disavow what he says cause I married his sister or something like that. But he's, he's a pro Trump guy, conspiracy theory, all that bullshit. It's like system of a down. Yeah. Like the, <laughs> I don't know,
1: things change, you know, that is one of those things, like, I don't know if you were told that when you were a kid, that things change, and when you get older, you're going to become conservative. Like, you're going to pay into taxes, and then you're going to see. I don't know if people oh, said that to you. Lots of right, people said right. that to me.
0: That entire train of thought is based on the idea that when you get older, you'll have more money, which, hey, here I am, 32, lived in poverty my entire adult life. Uh, I'm still pretty fucking left-wing.
1: <laughs> I'll um I'll tell you what. Um, not in poverty. I have a little bit of money, and I don't see that changing things <laughs> for me. Um, but I guess it does change things for some people at some point. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't want to go deeper into this, honestly, on our Adventure Time podcast. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, it feels emotional, and it, it feels like um the right wing takes advantage of people who – maybe feeling down about life in one way or another. And they are like, you can channel those bad feelings all into one place and we'll show you how. And they take advantage of vulnerable people. That's kind of how I see it. Uh, It's like some sort of weird pyramid scheme.
0: Yeah. It's like a cult.
1: Yeah. Um, And I feel sorry for a lot of those people because I think that they, sometimes it's people, obviously people who've had a hard lot in life sometimes, or are living in poverty themselves and they're sold Trumpism as a, as a way out or a place they can like make sense of it. And if if you've made it this far in the podcast, you, you probably agree that it's not. So <laughs> if you didn't like this, I would I I mean an angry email would probably entertain me at did you see them email at gmail.com.
0: Yeah, if there are any Trump supporters listening right now, how the fuck did you get here? Uh, send us an email, and we'll make fun of you on the next episode.
1: Yeah, I mean, because if, you're fr- if we're friends, I have some friends who are more conservative. Um, I don't think they'd probably listen to my Adventure Time podcast. And I don't, I don't, I don't think that if you like Adventure I'd be very interested to meet a conservative person, a Trump person who loves Adventure Time.
0: I'm man, sure they they're exist. on the internet, man. Really? I'm, I'm sure you just gotta dig through the Reddit a little bit.
1: Oh yeah, and there's some like sort of like more like dude bros who like Adventure Time. What did you say the other day? Like there's a certain type of fandom that's like stretchy dog is silly, haha, <laughs> and aren't like in it for the deep, the deeper stuff that we like to get into on this podcast.
0: Right. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, like what? What's that that Adventure Time meme that's going around that? Totally misses the point
1: of. Is it the one where Finn's like, "Why won't you have sex with me?" and Princess Bubblegum is like, "Finn, I am gay." And then Jake is like, "I love you." And Princess Randicorn is like in Korean.
0: Is that the one you're talking? That's,
1: that's that's one, one, one. of them. I have been seeing that all around.
0: Oh, <clears> oh, <throat> oh! I think it's the one that like that compares uh, Adventure Time to oh. Steven Universe. It's Steven Universe, yeah. Totally missing the point that both shows really. Put on display, like, positive images of queer people. Yeah.
1: Yep, yep. Someone sent that to me, and then I had to sort of gently explain uh, why that was maybe an incorrect uh, view (laughs) of the show. Um, For those of you on the podcast who like the non-Adventure Time talk, you got a lot of it up top. Last couple episodes, we've been saving it to the end to unleash it on you, and this time it, it started...
0: Yeah, just couldn't wait. Um it's it's pressing pressing news.
1: Yeah. You know, I didn't I wasn't ready to talk uh about uh the ethics of punk and radio rock, so I fumbled through it, but I I think we got <laughs> to somewhere maybe interesting. You came up with a great definition for punk. What was it? Um you don't have to be polite, but you should be kind.
0: Yeah, I like that. I'll stick with that.
1: Yeah. I like that too um there are good radio rock bands maybe if the you know the lyrics not sucking helps it goes a long way when it comes to our radio rock and i'm gonna co-sign that with you we found some good we we learned we 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 were able to name the foo fighters we got a lot done um there was another topic of conversation i was gonna bring up by why today was a good day and that was that um cryptocurrency has just been really going through the roof i don't know if you own any
0: eric i don't i don't um, I've always been like, maybe I should, and then I've never had money, so it didn't matter. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, I, I bought some in the 2017 uh, Crazy Hoopla, and then I thought I was an idiot, and then this year I looked like uh, half genius. Um, I mean,
0: been... hashtag stonks in general are up. Oh, I know. Um, um, I have an account with Betterment. Oh, yeah. I, put, I, I started putting $10 a month in there, Um, which was more than I could afford back when I started doing it. (laughs) Um, I did it for a year and then coronavirus happened. And then in February I saw everything that I had made after putting in $150. I think I, I think I made 15 on 150 and that 15 vanished last February. So I was Mm -hmm. like, all right, guess I'm pulling out my, my investment. And uh, since the market had, has gotten back to where it was in like October-ish. I have been putting more money into it, and I think I have $140 in there now, and I've made nine.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's one of the hard things is you and I have uh, shit talk capitalism on this show more than a few occasions, but then to participate in it um, is, is definitely an interesting moral place to live where I'm like... I don't agree with the system, but while I'm living in it, I need to make sure that I make my way through it. And like, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I, I, it's more of an experiment for me because uh, I am fully aware that paying off the debt that I have would be a, a better use of the $10 a month that I put in yeah. or $20 now. My net gains are far less than like the, the percentage of debt I incur by carrying like credit card balances. Sure. <laughs> uh, so it's stupid to be doing that, but I just want to see what happens. <laughs> yeah. No, dude, it's smart.
1: It's smart to invest. It's like dumbass people are making money all the time off of like stocks and investing and shit because they have the blind confidence to risk too much money in it. And then it pays off. You know what I mean? Like we all have people in our lives that you're like, you you are stupid, but it's like you own two houses? How how? You know what I mean? Or you meet your dad's friend from college and you're just like, now I'm not even dad if you're listening, I'm not even thinking of a specific different friend. But but you know what I mean? It's just like older random people and you're just like,
0: There's no way that you should ha be where you didn't you know what I'm saying. Right, but then you just, like, investigate it slightly further. It's like, okay, so you're 60 years old, you're white, you're straight, and you entered your dad's family business. Okay, okay. all right, I'm beginning to see where this <laughs> where, where this went down that track. Oh, man. Uh, yeah.
1: I think a lot of those people are making investments in a lot of places with their inherited or easily earned wealth. And they're dumb, and then it pays off because that's how it works. So it's sort of like, well, fuck! If I'm stuck in this mess, then I guess shouldn't I make a little bit of what that dumb asshole over there is making? I don't know if I'm wrong. Yeah, tell me again on the email. I'm like egging people on for mean emails. <laughs> I've been soliciting polite emails for episodes, and we've gotten some, but I guess I something tied the tide turned in this uh, in this weird first week of the year and now I want you to email
0: me means something. F- sorry. What were you going to say Eric? Uh, my financial situation has been a little bit easier the last week or so because the paycheck for working all my Christmas overtime finally hit. And, uh, we're about to get that $2,000 stimulus check, baby. Georgia Senate. Hey, that's something well, positive. Well, the, the 2000. Well, yeah, but the, the dude in MF West Virginia is, Oh, fuck that guy. Yeah. Yeah, the Republican who says he's a Democrat, whatever. Yeah, um, they are the
1: they're, they're the bottom. They're uh, okay. I was just looking this up before we started. They are like they are fiftieth in income in the country, West Virginia. Oh, are
0: they are, are they worse than Mississippi now
1: in terms of income. So they his <laughs> his his state makes the least amount of money of anybody, and he's like, ah, no, 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 <laughs> There are
0: there are enough Republicans on board with it. Yeah, that, that it could. It, right, it, 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 Joe Manchin it, can defect.
1: It's something same. like if one person, if, if like one, because yeah, if he defects, then there's one. If we get one, uh, if the people get one Republican, then we're good to go.
0: Yeah, I think there's something like nine or twelve Republicans that said they're for it. Um, that's that's coming down the shoot. And I just got a big paycheck with lots of overtime from working the holidays. Oh,
1: hell yeah, man! You made it through. You were dying. I hope that helps. <sighs> Yeah. But uh, but Georgia does have two Democratic senators now, and that's pretty rad. That is huge. I talk about I didn't ex- I've re- I had really prepared myself emotionally t- to have lost that.
0: Like, <laughs> yeah, well, that. OK, so we never had a, a post-election follow up because we did do a specific election episode. Yeah. But then after Trump lost and continued to lose over and over again <laughs> over the next couple of months. We never really revisited that. But, no,
1: now's a, now's a good time. Cause he, uh, he conceded. So now the loss has, and yeah. Ted Cruz can't it, keep fucking going on.
0: So, but after the actual election happened, I, I never really quite got that like celebratory sense of achievement mm-hmm. because I knew that, even if Biden had won and and Trump was out of there, nothing would happen unless the Senate flipped. And it it still seemed like a really bad long shot. And the last couple months have just been, man, I just got to prepare myself that this is not going to happen. We're not going to get any more stimulus. This is not going to change. And it was just like, it was never really sinking in that something good happened. And then it did. Yeah.
1: How about that? It's it's real incredible. Stacey Abrams, like, she can, she all
0: the credit goes to her and her team. Time for person, sure.
1: time person of the year. Man, I feel like that the Republicans fucking her over so royally, like, almost created like their worst nightmare. You know what I mean? Right.
0: And the <laughs> the, the the other ironic part of that is that Trump tried to call the Georgia Secretary of State oh. to to rig. Yeah. Like extra votes and it's like bro the secretary of state that was corrupt he already stole an election he's already governor now like yeah <laughs> you're dealing with a different secretary of state <laughs> i know
1: it's it's almost like like really trump could have like really fucked over his party like harder by going at georgia like that and disenfranchising all of his voters who then might not have come out for this runoff you know it's wild, dude. Um, shit's wild. I mean, the capital stuff, um, I mean, for me, I know some people were like, were, were jarred by it. And uh, I mean, rightfully so. It was fucking scary and horrifying. I guess that was something I had emotionally prepared myself for as well, was just like, Trump had been saying for the last year that he wasn't going to accept the election results. Like, you know what I mean? Basically, even in the debates, it was like- yeah. He wasn't going to commit to a peaceful transition and he wasn't going to commit to that he lost because the only re- only way he could lose in his like theory was if the election was rigged because he's so popular. Um, so I had prepared myself for it. Um, it doesn't make it any less shocking, I guess, um, especially the pol- the police's reaction to it, um, you know, and. Uh, and the National Guard, like Ugh, fucking cops. Yeah, Whatever. the whole the whole Fuck, non reaction to it that 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 was almost that, right. That's got to be one of the most shocking parts of it. Like that a bunch of yahoos would go from the Trump rally and march up and get to the Capitol and want to stir up some shit. Like isn't that surprising? But that they were able to just walk in and then face no repercussions. Like they were getting water you saw like them like helping the old woman down the stairs and like what helping wash a woman's eyes out after she got maced and stuff like
0: man this is this is the issue right it's like the cops know full well that they're fucking racist. they don't need to be trained better <laughs> oh boy yeah yeah everybody oh, fucking yelling. knows yeah, I mean, didn't the, the chief of police of D.C. Uh, resign right after that? Yeah, a bunch of people resigned. <laughs> Everyone did. All of the, all of Trump's cabinet is resigning rather than invoke the 25th.
1: Oh, yeah. But uh, I'm profoundly disappointed in all those <laughs> fucking police behavior. It's uh, I'm trying to be light and positive for the cast, the podcast, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying with a smile
0: is covering my uh, desperation, frustration, and sadness. Yeah, we will turn the page. There's a new dawn for America where Joe Biden is president, everyone is gay, and everyone <laughs> watches Adventure Time. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the America that, that's the future that liberals want, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that's what I said was the objective when we did our election episode.
1: Yeah. Obviously it wasn't Biden earlier that uh but uh once that became clear that this is the road we had to take here we are.
0: And it's No, co- it, if if Bernie Sanders had become president there wouldn't be obligatory homosexuality. <laughs> but wait, what, wait wait walk me through that? They made us compromise on Biden so now everyone has to be gay. Oh, Sorry. Oh.
1: So if we got if we got Bernie then every Not everyone has to be gay. You straight people are cool. But but, all right, if we're getting Biden, Biden. then y'all are going to have to be gay. At least a little gay. At least half gay or whatever. Yeah,
0: that's the trade-off.
1: Yeah. If if we're going on the scale, do do you believe in the scale of sexuality where it's a spectrum?
0: Sure, it can be. It can be. It it could be a spectrum. It could be a Venn diagram. It could be a chart. It could be an orbital system. Be whatever you want. Well, now, if we're
1: on this scale, like a horizontal axis, and it's almost kind of like, okay, if we're taking Biden, then you straighties are going to go from flush, right? What is this, parallel? Then we're going to have to just crank this up 20, 30%. Might get confusing. Might get confusing for some of you.
0: There's a visual element to this demonstration that will not translate to the audio podcast. Oh,
1: yeah. (laughs) They can't see me putting my arms into the. (laughs) <laughs> to the x-axis. Um, wow, this is the spiciest episode of uh, Adventure Guys. But uh, I like it. It's hot. It's tangy. Let's talk. Let's ignite this shit and discuss the episode.
0: <laughs> okay, so the universe is... It works in mysterious ways because we got two Flame Princess episodes in a row and we were, I think we were so close to really doing something coherent and we just missed. Because if we had watched this episode before the episode we watched last week, everything would have made oh, so yeah. much more sense. <laughs> hey,
1: I was about to come into this episode and be like, we're doing something coherent because we set it up. I had questions about... Why is Flame Princess's dad Can manifest through fire And whisper in your ear Evil, evil, evil It's like, what is this? What is that? It kind of set up some questions And then in this episode I'm getting all my answers I feel like yeah. this is a through line If you're if you're one of those fans Who's watching along with us Which I like to believe There's at least two of you Or <laughs> one Hey, if you watched last week And then you watched this week You're getting a story You're getting an A and B There might be a There's a C in there I mean, there's there's a there's an A and a half or whatever, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this works, I think, Eric.
0: Yeah, well, it just it answers a lot of questions that we had last week, and had we watched this episode first, we wouldn't have had the questions in the first place, I suppose. Yeah, but everyone in the Fire Kingdom is established as being evil. Yeah, that's pretty much the point of this episode, I think.
1: I think it is, and we get the it. it, it it's pretty funny, actually. Like yeah, it's pretty great. Um, yeah, I'm. I mean, so, so Finn and Jake. I I know you hate going in order, in chronological order. Hey, this is some feedback. I would like if you like when I bring us into chronological order to go through the episode. If you enjoy that, <laughs> let let me know. If you don't, then we should just blast off. I would love to. to I would love that piece of constructive criticism because I'm always trying to go in order uh, and talk about it in a linear fashion. Um. I'm going to do it right now. Finn and Jake. Oh. All right. So,
0: Nick, tell us what the very first scene of this episode was. And then when you're done with that, tell us what the second scene of this episode was. And then when you're done with that, tell us what the third scene was. Do you, I can do that. Do I have to ex- explain more of this? or I'm going to do that, and I'm going to
1: do it in an entertaining fashion. Watch out. First, first, <laughs> you got Finn, Jake, Flame Princess, hanging out in a meadow on top of a mountain. More mountains are in the distance. And what are they doing? But farting and burping into bags—that's right. They're human gas that they're full—they're full of. Put into a bag, tied up, and it flies away. And Flame Princess refers to it as their magic gas, right? I believe. Magic, magic air. Magic air. It smells bad. That smells bad. Yeah, I mean, you get you get a um, couple couple of uh, things I enjoyed out of this was that um, Finn and Jake are roughhousing a little bit, talking to Flame Princess, and Jake farts while. Finn's on top of him and then they like, you know, rough house down a bit. And then he hits Jake and says, no, like an owner would at a dog. Uh, <laughs> and those moments are rare and they are to be cherished as some sort of uh, normal reality is brought into this world of human and dog. Uh, and it's just like a nice little joke.
0: It's yeah, those those like relationship breaking moments. Are kind of awkward. There was a point yeah. in this episode. I felt I'm gonna, weird. I'm going to go out of order now. There's a point in this episode where Jake says something about his grandma. Like it, that would be Finn's grandma too.
1: Yeah, but he like misused his. Yeah, yeah, that's a little hard. That's hard. Um, yeah, that's awkward. Him hit smack and Jake was awkward to me. Anyway, they go back, and then Flame Princess has a great um. Great uh, quote, where she says, "Oh yeah, all your magic air made the air smell bad, and now I'm sad." She goes, "I if I had my candles, this would smell fine." They're like, "Go back." Right.
0: This is like, this is like the laziest way to set up a plot. Totally, for an
1: <laughs> have them fart. It smells bad. She needs candles. That's why they go back. Like, it's it is pretty lazy, but funny, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 something that would be at home in, like, maybe another more typical cartoon. Um, I can't tell if it's, like, poking fun at that kind of storytelling or not. I think they're just
1: having some fun. I think it's yeah. just some fun. Who cares? Who gives a shit? Just get back. Let's get Finn and Jake back to the Flame Princess. They're going to learn everything they need to know about the Flame Kingdom. Let's just let's go in a fun way. And they do. And so they go back to Finn and Jake are like, you stay here. She didn't want to see your dad. She didn't want her dad to think she needs anything. They're going to go covert mission. They're going to go. Before they go, though, they hear some random farts going. They don't know where it's coming from. Under a rock, that's a shaking and a rumbling. They find Flamebow, which I've never met Flamebow. Little guy, he's farting up a storm. Um, They go, Flamebow! He, immediately, my thought is he's almost like Flame Princess's BMO. Oh, maybe. Like, facsimile. <laughs> he, he, he goes into some sat- satanic sort of spell. Pagan spell, and then makes them flame retardant, right? Or flame-proof? Fire-proof?
0: Yeah, whatever spell that is. Yeah,
1: and now they're all blue. And then they go in. They waltz into the Flame Kingdom, and they go right into Flame Princess's room. No searching, nothing needed. They go right there, which is pretty impressive that they know the layout and how to sneak in directly through her window. Um, but then, as they're getting the candles, they hear a little bit of people uh, rustling outside, no one's been here since flame princess left it's, and there's like a guy who's got a, like a little tis, and they're uh they're talking about assassinating the king um which is great for me is that that voice is none other than paul f tompkins um yeah. one of my all-time favorite we don't talk podcast influences on here much but my favorite podcast of all time is definitely probably comedy bang bang and uh he is like the all star of that show. Um, it's a classic, yeah, a classic, and
0: he's good. He's um, his Mister Peanut Butter. Oh, is yeah, a, is a good one. Mister Peanut Butter. He's, I mean, yeah, it's it's funny because he's I guess he was a podcaster first, and then a talented voice actor second.
1: Yeah, well, I've heard him talk about it. So, well, here here's a good piece I was going to say this for Miss Lenny but let me drop it on you now. Um, is that he was in Mister Show. Um, which I think was maybe one of his first big jobs in the mid '90s. Um, yeah, which also was a early big job for Mr. Tom Kenny, who voices many people on the show, including Ice King. Um, have you watched Mr. Show?
0: Uh, not a long time. I was actually just thinking of uh putting it on. It's on um probably on HBO Max. Yeah, it was on HBO. It is, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: If I think you have that, but yeah. So I mean, it's a great show. Uh, Bob Kirk and David. Cross Bob Odenkirk is going to star in the next Taken movie or whatever. Did you see that trailer?
0: No. What Yeah,
1: it's basically it's the it's the dude who did Taken, like the the creator of Taken, made a new movie starring Bob Odenkirk where he's like a retired assassin with a family, and then he gets unleashed and now he's going to go fucking murder a shitload of people and it looks pretty dude,
0: badass. You so you've never even watched Breaking Bad? That's some of no. his best work. I know. And then and then the spinoff series honestly is like solid, yeah. Better in a lot of ways because it showcases him. He's fantastic. <laughs> if you're a Bob Odenkirk fan, you have to watch Breaking Bad. I, I and, know. I'm and, a huge Bob Bad Odenkirk
1: fan. I've watched, like, it's funny. It's, yeah, it's, I've, like, watched Mr. Show and, and seeked out obscure things. And then I just, like, totally checked out on Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, which is going to be at the end of the day, potentially his high watermark. As, <laughs> yeah.
0: If, if, there if you're a Bob Odenkirk fan, that is, Enough of a reason to watch Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. I know like, it's
1: it's a you know, and I watched movies like The Brothers Solomon and Let's Go to Prison because I'm a Bob Odenkirk fan. Two movies he directed, <laughs> which famously bombed at the box office, both of them. And yet, I have not watched what will be maybe his defining uh, role of his lifetime. So how about that? Pretty cool, also that that role came when he was what in his fifties or sixties. How old is Bob Odenkirk? Oh, he's fifty eight now. He's only fifty eight. Oh, I thought yeah. he was older.
0: It's funny because in Better Call Saul, he's technically playing a younger version of the character from Breaking Bad, Mm -hmm. but he's a lot older. (laughs) So he was on SNL. He started writing at 25. I guess that all checks out.
1: One of the few times where you're um, shocked to find out someone is younger. But anyway, Paul Tompkins was on that. He actually, I think that I remember him saying, because he did stand-up and he was stuff, but I think that in the podcasting, especially on Comedy Bang Bang and then maybe his own, the Paul of Tomcast, thrilling adventure hour, these things, he started doing more characters and voices through podcasting, I believe. And then now he's become a voice actor. And yeah, he does a good job. He does three voices, I think in this episode. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty cool for someone who wasn't a, a voice actor. Um, uh, but yeah, anyway, so, you know, another thing I thought of too, at this. Show, so basically I hear these conspirators, Finn and Jake, Hear two conspir- They're in Flame Princess's room. They hear two conspirators talking about how they're going to kill Flame Princess's dad. Now, Flame Princess said, I don't want my dad knowing that I'm there um, because she's mad at him. Now, I was thinking, I was like, this really is interesting because this is the moment where you would text or call Flame Princess and be like, we have a situation. Like, <laughs> I need you to advise. You need to come here. But being that those don't exist, they have to, like, sort it out on their own. And they go and they start... Trying to find that sound. Funny thing with a painting. Um, they, we get a great thing where they're going through the air vents, and we're getting to see the flame people or whatever the hell you're going to call them doing funny things.
0: Oh yeah, um, <laughs> they're just like spying on random citizens of the fire of the fire kingdom. The fire kingdom. <laughs> I
1: mean, uh, the highlight for me is there's a guy with a cake, and he measures it with a with a <laughs> with a measuring tape, and he's like thirty one. And then he eats like a big chunk of the cake and he goes, 22. Hmm. And it's, (laughs) which is really spectacular. Um, And then, uh, then they, you hear Paul F. Tompkins again. You're like, oh, it's him. But they go down and it's not Paul F. Tompkins. He's, it's a different guy who's, he's also voicing, but who's just a friendly chef. And they fall into
0: blueberries and he thinks that
1: they're a bunch of overweight blueberries. You got a snake on your shoulder. And he has like a snake on his shoulder.
0: Right. One of the funniest red herrings. Yeah. Like, ever. Yeah. Like that. The hiss voice just. <laughs> there was It was a snake.
1: Oh, you got a snake shoulder. on your shoulder. And the, but then what's funny is so he's not clearly now not the guy. But the chef, even though been falsely accused, everyone's on the same page because the snake was there. His next move is to hold up his big butcher's knife and start chasing them. <laughs> <laughs> even though it's like they probably could have just worked that out right <laughs> I, I gotta chop you up into a bunch of pieces he seems to think that they're blueberries which given the land of view, i guess he's not
0: yeah i mean well everyone in the fire kingdom is evil oh they are evil we so. don't know that at this point but that checks out so they go up. yeah he's predisposed to chopping people with a knife
1: yeah so they go up they get they like join the crowd and then all of a sudden they're like wearing these costumes and there's like an actor and they're like oh well and they ask an actor what's going on and it's in a very shakespearean voice Again, voiced by Paul F. Tompkins, they're like, oh, they're like talking about like, oh, we're going to go out there and do a play. Everyone in the Fire Kingdom is going to be here, including the Fire King. And Finn and Jake are like, they devise a plan. We're going to go out there. We're going to talk about assassinating the king. And we're just going to sort of feel it out, right? And see (laughs) what happens. And if anyone starts sweating and we know who it is. And now, Eric, we are back to where we started before I started the linear recap. How do you feel? That wasn't so bad, was it? (laughs)
0: okay great
1: yeah we're there um (laughs) and uh they start their dumb play their bad play and then um the fire kingdom as he's about to get um like uh murdered uh what do you call that when assassinated and uh (laughs) he stands up and goes this play is thinly veiled heresy they just want to kill the king and they they're going to kill them they accuse um the people who are holding them down at, and are going to behead them as the people who are uh, really after the king. They take off their heads, and it's you find out it is, and it's Paul Tonkins with the with the uh, snake as slithering voice and another conspirator, and it's them. And he knows who they are because they are his ne- nephew and niece, and he's their uncle. And they're like ah, and they're there to kill him to get revenge for their father who Flame King murdered in order to get the crown. Right? Yep. Yep. And Finn puts this together eventually. You kind of see it in real time because you're like, wait, so you're evil. And he's like, yeah, everyone here is evil. Yeah, yeah, we're all evil. <laughs> and he's like, and Get so- the
0: program, kid.
1: Yeah, so Flame Princess is evil too? He's like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> She's evil. <laughs> he's like, okay, we've now established a Flame Princess is evil. But say there was a good guy who really loved her and wanted her to be good. Could she be good? And- I just this is some great cartoon stuff where the Flame King is like, Yeah, well, I suppose. It might be weird for her for her to not be evil for a bit, but sure, she could change. <laughs> and then they 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 get out of there somehow, they give the candles back, and then Flame King is back in Flame Princess's ear, whispering evil. Um, and what you start to realize is that he's really just Almost maybe trying to connect with his daughter or make her daughter into what he thinks that she should she should be or something. You know what I mean?
0: Like, I mean, their relationship doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, because he did have her imprisoned in like that that weird cage in the throne room for her entire life. I think is that what how it happened? Yeah, I think so. It would be the the yeah.
1: I guess I was trying to think of if you came from a family of Trump supporters and everyone's like, Trump, yeah, you believe in Trump, you believe in Trump. And, and then you go off and you're like, I don't believe in Trump, but you got the voice of your entire, like everywhere you come from saying Trump, 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 racism, greed, you know? And then you're like, you're like, it's in my blood. I am, I am Trump. You know what I mean? I don't know I'm yeah. trying to 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 bring this full circle, maybe I shouldn't be
0: i don't yeah, I don't know what flame King's objectives really are, whether he wants to just like capture his daughter again or like convince yep. her to come. yeah uh, i i I wish I've remembered more about her backstory like
1: so is he did he keep her locked up? Right, I forget. I did watch this where he was afraid of what she would do. That she was so evil or erratic, or didn't she burn down somebody else's thing at some point?
0: Yeah, well, I think uh Prentice Bubblegum because she's like oh. really old. Uh, there was some that's that's prophecy what it was. that sh- that like the Flame King's progeny would destroy Ooh or something like that. Yep, She sort of uh, yeah, I remember
1: she was really culpable or like. She came to Flame No, she burned down a part of the forest or something, and Fla- and Bubblegum came to Flame King and was like, you need to keep your daughter under control. She cannot burn down all of Ooh. Like, control your daughter, or I will control her. Because like she was literally just burning down. And they had some sort of treaty between all the different elements, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. There we go. My brain it clicked. Um So we went through it all in order. But I want to ask you about one specific moment we didn't talk about. And that's if you saw the snail. Uh,
0: Nick, did you see the snail? Yes. Eric, did you see the snail? Yes, I saw the snail. Play that song. in the scenery throughout the land of ooh We did it. Yeah. That was a a while there where neither of us saw it. He was hanging out in the hallway when they were talking about snacks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Finn and Jake are, uh,
1: are disguised themselves as a painting like that. They're, and they're pretending to be still because they're in a big hallway and there's a bunch of flame guards walking by who seem to be a little more intelligent than the banana guards, but not a whole lot. And, uh, they're looking at the painting and they're talking about we don't want to miss snack time. We gotta get out of here and stop looking at this painting so we can get our snacks. And behind them, waving, our friend the snail. I was I was looking. I this is I watched it twice and uh the second time I was like, I'm gonna see this
0: MF snail. You know, I'm not nearly as concerned about seeing the snail as I used to be because I already wrote the Congratulations Nick song. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, there was something really on the line about before about either of us seeing it
0: yeah but yeah this one wasn't too hard um how many times have we all seen the snail all parties i think it's relatively like two or three we should have been keeping tally maybe it's maybe it's four okay we had a good maybe someone maybe someone out there is keeping score for us if you're keeping score (laughs) on who has seen the snail send us an email at did you see the mail at gmail.com
1: oh yeah i would love to hear from you maybe we can collaborate you can help us out on some other archive projects um
0: yeah if you want the job of official adventure guys snail scorekeeper <laughs> send us an email that is available
1: <laughs> <laughs> fox miscellany mania There's things you My my big contribution was that Tom Kenny and Paul F. Tompkins were in Mister Show together, and now they're they've realigned for this episode of uh, Adventure Time.
0: What else you got? Yeah, uh, this was a very reference heavy episode. Um, some of it more surface level than other parts, but um, I mean, very Shakespearean. Mm. It's like it's pretty much exactly Hamlet. Yeah the whole play within a play murder plot thing um i mean i'm not like a shakespeare scholar but you know i that it the whole like shakespearean like canon of oh. themes seems like pretty uh pretty prevalent for like in all media considering how long ago those plays were originally written
1: yeah yeah, I mean, I, I think that would probably be there. There, there must be a deeper dive answer into that because you think about like, I wonder when the modern English curriculum was created in America, and at, you know what I mean, like post post World War II, like or I don't know, I don't know if it was ever, but it seems like at some point a decision was made that every kid in America needs to read some Shakespeare, like that has to be a part of your like formal education, like learning the English language as an American. And I'm wondering if there's like, I bet I'm just wondering if like Shakespeare popularity has ever like gone up and down through time. And if, uh, you know, some parts definitely
0: been present, you know, I'm sure it's experienced waves, but like,
1: but think about this, like in, in, in the new construct of, we are going to have so many, um, high schools and colleges and we're going to have this, this English teacher program. And now you have tens of thousands of people who like, who go through the English program and then want to become writers or want to study it formally in second education and colleges. Like it's almost like you're like now through that, there's like a whole gen- new multiple generations of kids who are just like reading a shit tons of Shakespeare. So it's like, and they are all the people who want to write. So it's sort of like through the education system, it's like put Shakespeare into culture. That's my theory. What,
0: yeah. Yeah. Do you agree? What do you think yeah. of that? I, I mean, I don't know. I guess I guess uh yeah, you'd have to look at the history of literature education. Um, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, I'm I'm really just making a lot of assumptions, but yeah. Continue. To me, it seems like there's a lot there's a lot of Shakespeare influence in media, considering how How long ago it was. I mean, I guess, I guess he kind of just hit on a lot of sort of universal dramatic formulas. He was maybe the first person to collect a lot of devices as succinctly and coherently in his body of work.
1: Right.
0: So maybe when we refer to things as like Shakespearean, it's just the essence of some of those narrative devices are more universal and we just attribute it to Shakespeare. I don't yeah. know.
1: Much like with punk and hard rock, where I was not super ready to comment on those, I feel similarly about Shakespeare, but um, I'll give you my half-formed uh, off-the-dome off the uh, opinions right now. <laughs> and I would agree with that. Um, you know, I, I think it would just almost like, it's like the certain context in which they're placed in, in that it's the play within a play. I mean, that is... Yeah.
0: I mean, that that's direct. That, yeah. That's literal Hamlet. The, the nephews planning to assassinate the king. Yeah. Well, also, for I mean, murdering his brother.
1: So much of Shakespeare. I mean, he's just, he's a lot of those plays are just going right at the heart at what's most vulnerable and important to people, like family and love and power and all that shit, you know?
0: Yeah. Star crossed lovers. <laughs> the stuff that haunts you at night, he just went for. So <laughs> nice. Did you have any other miscellaneous mania? Um, I mean, there are, you know, a lot of other references, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, the, the scene where they're, um, crawling through the ventilation shafts, Uh apparently it's a reference to Metal Gear Solid, Mm. which is not a video game that I ever played. But when I saw that scene and I remember the first time I saw that episode, you have like that black background because like, where would the perspective, where would the camera be? As someone is crawling through a vent, you, you know you'd have to like get it in there with them, and it'd be very cramped, and and the characters would take up the entire frame. So using that black background to show them crawling through the the vent like that, it seemed to me of like a very video game style device. Something in my in my brain just went there automatically, and then I see on the wiki that it's a reference to. Metal Gear Solid, and apparently the music that's playing underneath is inspired by that video game also. Um, it, you know, it confirms that. But it, it's weird how that's, that depiction of crawling through vents with black negative space all around it, it fires the video game neurons.
1: Yeah. It was very interesting. Great shot. Some of the most the cool visual stuff in the whole episode, probably. Um, I think, it, to me, it was just like a really cool way to disorient you as you're walking through these like pitch black shafts.
0: Yeah. There's a couple other episodes that show dungeons like that.
1: Yeah. Which is true. I mean it's like I've gone have you ever gone through like a fucking cave? Have you ever gone like a, a cave tour or anything? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those I mean like sometimes you get into those places and like when I've done it, I've been with like a tour guide and you everyone's got lights on their heads or whatever. Um then you have to think about those people who came by themselves or with one person and explored that cave for the first time. And you have to go like, holy fuck, you know, like this shit, like this would be story. Like I was in one down in Belize and like, we had to take off the the lights and it was just pitch black inside this goddamn cave. And you're like, I'm like, so you mean to tell me these like, these like fucking pirates, like hundreds of years ago came in here solo with, like, a torch in their hand and then climbed hundreds of feet to hide their buried treasure up there? It's like, what? I don't know. <laughs> if I was to go through a cave or something like that, or a dungeon, I think I would be very disoriented. Yeah. Well, good job,
0: Adventure Time. Uh, there there were a lot of references in this episode. I'm looking at the list on the wiki. You ever, you ever think, like... So here's, here's something cool. Uh, I saw... Um, on Jesse Moynihan's blog. Uh, you know, he storyboard artist for this show and, uh, artist for the web comic forming. I was reading some stuff from his blog, like on earlier issues of forming where I'm reading through it. And he finishes like the first chunk of storylines. It's like 50 issues in or something. <clears throat> and He writes a little note where, hey, I'm going to take a little, you know, this was back like 10 years ago that this was published, but I'm going to take a little bit of a break uh, from, from putting out these issues right now because I've reached the end of my initial planning stage for this story. So I'm going to take some time to regroup and like study some, I forget exactly how he Framed it, but like study more concepts and philosophies to figure out what he wants to work in. And interesting. Yeah, where it's, uh, you know, he's not just writing off the cuff and it's not necessarily a wholly original uh, set of themes that he's just, you know, bringing into the world, but he's riffing off of a bunch of like collected references from his life. And he exhausted the set of references that he wanted to use at that point. So now he has to just go find and research more, which is a really cool and honest way of talking about making your art. Uh, and I I think that comes into these cartoons a lot because there's, it's so deliberate and it's such a slow process to work in little things like that. I think when, uh, given the extreme amount of time it takes to create these episodes, Like the storyboarders are like, well, it's going to take six hours to put together this page of of storyboards regardless. Like that's time that has to go into it, whatever. So if it's going to be at least six hours, why don't I just like spend another half hour researching this exact video game reference that I want to put in or this exact literary reference? Yeah. I think that's how, how these shows get so jam packed with references it's such a slow and deliberate process to create these cartoons that it's like why not just do the work and actually research what you want to be commenting on?
1: yeah that's that's interesting. I hear what you're saying. um That's really cool that Jesse put that in his blog. That's something I've thought a lot about I don't know if I've said this to you is it's something that you can feel if you listen to a catalog of a musician or a songwriter a lot of times. Which is where early records are exploratory, where they're figuring out their influences and they're trying on hats and they're like honing in on what they're good on and maybe congealing their different references and influences into something. And then sometimes in an artist's career, this will happen. I don't want to name names, or whatever, but like maybe we could. But <laughs> you get to like a certain number of records. Some for some bands, it's record. You know, by record four, you're like or record five, you're like, you're rehashing. Like we, it's almost like you, you put all your, the shit you loved into a, a blender and you came up with some really good stuff. But now that we're on batch number five of it, it's like wearing a little thin, you know what I mean? And d- am I making sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, 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 a lot of times I almost wish I'm like, there's some bands that you love and you almost go, want to go like, look, just take like three or four years off. And like, learn how to play other people's music or like go deeply investigate other music because I love this band and it's getting a little samey and it's getting watered down. Like just, you need some new shit for the hopper. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, um, and yeah. some people are great at it and reinventing and, and I, but there's a lot of people you don't. And I, I really appreciate that. Like Jesse, like, uh, uh takes that on head on. And is like, I'm going to go do that. I'll, I'll, I'll see you in a bit. <laughs> Like, that's so right, yeah. refreshing.
0: Art, art doesn't exist in a vacuum. You know, nothing is 100% new and original. Like, everything is built upon its its predecessors. So, like, just really acknowledging that and taking time to understand, like, what you want to consciously reference is important, I think, in creating something new.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, I think that just speaks to a certain type of creative, though which is someone who's constantly searching for new and exciting ways to express themselves and explore the world. Wow. Well, well, it was a fine episode. I guess we should figure out what we're going to watch next week.
0: Sure. What are we going to watch next week? What are we going to watch? Okay, episode 158. Oh. Which is Ooh, this is a doozy. What what is it? Season six, episode two, Escape from the Citadel. Whoa. This episode is heart wrenching.
1: That's funny. It's a heart wrenching episode. Sorry, I got very distracted. Um, cool. <laughs> well, I'm gonna watch it and get my uh my heart broken or whatever, so. It'll be a good time.
0: Yep. All right, cool. Um. That's it. <laughs> cool. <laughs> all right, like, subscribe. Yeah, rate yeah. us on iTunes.
1: I'll do all the fun stuff.
0: Oh, is this our first? This was our first episode with a uh, a different a different podcast name. Oh yeah, yeah. We added
1: a uh, a new like sort of like second line or byline to it.
0: Um. If you found us by that. In the hopes of, yeah, we're trying to optimize our search engine presence. Yeah. And if that succeeded and we got a lot of new people to listen on this episode, sorry. (laughs) 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 Probably not the best (laughs) intro episode. This is a really bad episode to come in on. (laughs) I know.
1: But uh, we'll get you on the next one. Or maybe you're digging deeper. Whatever. It'll be fine. Stick around. You're going to have a good time.
0: Bye. Peace out, y'all.